morning, everybody, and welcome to another SACPA session on this glorious, beautiful spring day. Um, SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the lands of Blackfoot people and Métis nations of Alberta, Region 3, and we pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. SACPA commits to assisting reconciliation efforts by raising awareness of the ways past and present injustices can be reconciled. SACPA is very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight, and the Lethbridge Herald. Today, we welcome speaker Kathleen Macy on the topic of how are post-secondary students coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. Kathleen Macy is an associate vice president at University of Lethbridge, where she oversees the registrar's office enrollment services and student services. Macy holds a bachelor of political science from York University and a master of leadership from Royal Roads University. Thank you very much for joining us today, um, Kathleen, and I really look forward to your talk today. Thank you very much, Annalise. It's lovely to be here. I'm happy to have the opportunity, and my thanks to SACPA for the Im invitation to speak today about uh, my favorite topic um, when it comes to students, how they're coping and how we're supporting them. And so thank you all for being here today, those of you who are joining us. Um, it is exciting to have this opportunity. I want to say okay. Um, and let you know that the University of Lethbridge's uh, Blackfoot name is Iniskim, meaning sacred buffalo stone. And so with that, I'll jump into uh, my slide. Next slide, please. Um, just to uh, give you a sense of uh, the journey that I'll take today um, is to talk about um, how students have been coping during the pandemic. Um, at the University of Lethbridge. Also, secondly, what measures are being taken to support students? And finally, our look into the future. What are we thinking about for fall 2021? And I, I just a little bit of a spoiler, while students have had some challenges, um, I've been so impressed with their resilience and resourcefulness. They really are coping. And in fact, some have been thriving, uh, but there have been some challenges along the way. So I'll talk about that today. So next slide, please. I want to remind us that, um, you know, the University of Lethbridge, isn't that a beautiful photo of the campus, a reminder of the Lethbridge campus um, with its green uh, coolies and the beautiful uh, buildings. Um, and, and that's where we hope to get back to, that campus and our Calgary campus. And a reminder that the university exists to build a better society. We're working to graduate students who um, are able to think critically and creatively and solve tough problems. And so this anchors uh, all the work that we do um, as we continue. Next slide, please. But I will tell you that um, during the pandemic, we've done a number of surveys uh, and check-ins with students to see how they're doing, how are they coping. One of them is the National Survey of Student Engagement, and we had a very special opportunity with that particular one because we had just done that survey in February 2020, right before the pandemic. And so we were able to do it again um, in uh, October, November 2020 and had a basis of comparison to think, see if things had changed. Um, and indeed they had. We found that comparatively speaking, students uh, were less uh, feeling less a sense of connection to the university, less uh, supported, uh, less um, connected to the day-to-day, -to, -day, to friends and, and so on. But also we learned through that survey that students really reported having insufficient tools to manage their work. 35% um, had insufficient study spaces where they lived. So that means uh, noise distractions, possibly uh, living with children or other roommates. 12% um, had no access to reliable internet and 
10% without computers or tablets to be able to do their work on. This, this actually prompted us to think about what other supports we could put in place. And you can see one thread that's come, that came up in several surveys and conversations is this notion of isolation. Again, feeling disconnected or having low quality interactions with other students. Fully 30% reported that. Um, so there, there were challenges uh, and there continue to be challenges with uh, remote, with a remote existence when you've signed up, when you've applied for having an education that is really place-based for the most part. Um, so the next slide, please. I'll just say that um, here are a few um, examples of comments related to the social isolation and loneliness. Um, you can see that, I'll just read one of them, with not being at the university, there's a lack of focus on schoolwork, mental health and community involvement, and the year has been most difficult to get through. You know, I will say that there are other comments from students, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on, um, students who said, you know, really, I'm thriving, I prefer studying online, it's really working out well for me, I like the outdoor uh, field activities that I'm, uh, you know, that I'm asked to do by my professor that I'm do, pardon me, doing at home. I like being able to live at home and not have to pay rent and I can take naps during the day. So that was another. Um, so next slide, please. Um, academically, um, again, on this issue of academic success and social disengagement, I will say that some just decided to wait out the pandemic. They became so frustrated, they described that they really couldn't figure out how to translate their learning skills in an in-person context to the online world. They were struggling with that. And so being self-aware, um, made decisions to leave, 4.2% dropped out. Um, in fall 2020. That's sad for us. Uh, I think it's sad for all of us at the university and it was nearly double the percentage that normally leaves in a fall term. And I, you know, for us that's a moment of reflection. What else can we do to help them stay on path? Because it's a personal, um, there are potentially longer term personal implications for those students, developmental implications for them um, in terms of completing their degrees on time, getting into the workforce, feeling a sense of self-efficacy and satisfaction. Um, and But they were leaving for mental, because their mental health was declining um, and because they felt a sense of disconnection from the community, they were lonely. Um, you know, and I will say, I want to uh, balance this with some students, again, were doing okay. In fact, overall, our grade point averages, which are the one measure of students' academic success, um, went up slightly, um, almost across the board in every faculty. And so that suggests that some students were finding uh, a way forward uh, to be successful in this context. So again, I go back to this balance of some were coping, others were thriving, and others decided to pause. So um, I, I'll just move on to the next slide and, and give you a few other pieces of information. Um, Statistics Canada had a look, they had also conducted some research in February 2020 and then re-looked at that a little bit later in the um, year, not too much later, April 2020, and they found that the NEAT rate, which is the not in employment, education or training, had doubled in mere months um, to 24% for the group of students who, uh, many of whom fall within our student body. Um, this is a national figure, but they noted that this was true right across the country. So um, at the University of Lethbridge, we noticed that businesses were suffering, of course. Um, community organizations were shuttered as well um, because of the limitations and restrictions of the pandemic. So we saw a 20% decline in co-op work experiences and a 42% decline in applied work, applied study work experiences. And um, so I think what I want to say around that is that um, 
we're of course following the national trend in that regard, um, and and it. But really, it's that these programs, these uh, work integrated learning experiences, are fundamental to the students' University of Lethbridge experience and to their personal and professional development. So there's a tight integration with their academic programs, as well as with uh, their own plans for professional development and their career trajectory. And so this um, is another moment where we say there were certainly some students who um, continued on with their internships, their co-op placements and so on, and the businesses and organizations that they worked with were very creative about managing how they could do that, and we put tools in place to support that. But it was, um, you know, there are there are potentially longer term implications for the students in terms of either delaying their graduation or their career development as they think about applying their learning from the University of Lethbridge. So next slide, please. Um, this uh, next uh, piece of information is interesting because it's a good news and a bad news story in a sense. Um, the the um, increase in demand for mental health support uh, was fairly dramatic, a 28% increase uh, for counseling support um, at the University of Lethbridge. We also saw a 45% increase in uh, group-based counseling and wellness workshop attendance. And uh, when I think about, um, when I say this is both um, challenging and positive. Challenging, of course, because the stress of the pandemic and having to cope was getting to the students. You know, this is an indication, a symptom of the fact that uh, they were struggling and they needed support. The good news is they reached out for that support. They, they looked to us, uh, to our counselors. We have a wonderful team of uh, uh, qualified counselors who met with them, continue to provide support by telephone and also online through a special uh, version of Zoom that is uh, quite uh, confidential, that could preserve the confidentiality. Uh, it gave them opportunities to attend special um, uh, pandemic-related workshops, uh, such as what it's like to move back home after you've lived away from home for many years. How do you cope? Uh, there was a, a pandemic-related book club. Some of these were approaches to try and um, address the sense of loneliness to bring people together, um, to give them some another group of peers to talk with. Um, so they were successful. So this is why I think of this as both um, uh, a symptom of the stress and the challenge, but also a positive outcome. We do like it when students reach out to our services, particularly when they come to supporting mental health. Next slide, please. So as I said, others thrived and for a variety of different reasons. I think one of the things that I want to underscore is that for students with disabilities, certain types of disabilities, online learning and being able to stay at home in an environment that you control yourself um, is an opportunity to uh, perhaps not have to deal with the variability of other types of environments over which you may not have as much control. And so for students with disabilities, it presented an opportunity in some cases, and they reported that to us. Uh, other students, so as you can see, some noted also, uh, you know, if they're uh, dealing with depression, that what they can do if lectures are recorded is simply go back a uh, day after, a few days later when they feel better and review the materials. So they indeed could report it being able to stay on top of their work um, and get better grades because of it. Um, other students uh, reported that, um, uh, that frankly, just having the lectures recorded and the materials available to them meant that uh, they could go back to review materials on a regular basis. Um, so that aided with studying and with learning. Um, and of course, there were uh, there are students who noted that they didn't have to travel, so there was less wasted time. They could stay at home with their pet and take their dog for a walk. Um, and there's a mental health piece to that too, you know, they're being able to, um, to be able to take care of your pets and be around them. I wanted to say that um, 
students also, some students reported through the National Survey of Student Engagement Pulse Survey that many professors, this is an actual quote, many professors are amazing at keeping students engaged with their work. So as ever, as professors always do, they're right there for their students, supporting them every step of the way. And um, they continue to do that throughout the pandemic, and they are now. We're still mostly online in spring term, and that's happening now. So some students have reported that it is working out for them, while others, of course, have had challenges. So then I'll go to the next slide, please, and we'll talk a little bit about so what are we doing to support students through this experience? And of course, I'll start by saying just a tip of the hat to my wonderful colleagues across the university who back in March, April last year, flipped all of their services to an online context, telephone-based, um, all from a tradition of 50 odd years of delivering them in person, um, then found a way to make them accessible um, using remote formats and did a wonderful job at that. And of course, there was some experimentation along the way. Um, but we're not the only ones. The university itself is not the only one who um, is supporting students. Our Graduate Student Association, which I'll refer to as GSA um, for the rest of this presentation, and our Undergraduate Student Union, which is the ULSU, have just done an amazing job finding ways to, again, change the way they approach supporting students and have stepped in. Um, so, you know, for example, under financial support, the, the GSA um, established the working from home bursary for graduate students so that they could transform their workspace into an ergonomically uh, comfortable work environment. And some 200 students benefited from that bursary, graduate students in particular. Uh, the ULSU um, uh, enhanced its emergency grants for students and also because students couldn't come and use the food bank on campus, which they run, um, they moved to food gift cards so that they could provide those, send those to students uh, more effectively. You know, they also, um, I'm going to talk about food security in a moment, but there were also other ways that those organizations um, supported their students. The GSA, for example, has a multi an interdisciplinary conference coming up that has been moved into the virtual context. So, um, you know, let's talk about social interaction. The ULSU has continued, their clubs continue to offer virtual interaction online, and the US, ULSU is holding events on online. Um, so lots of every effort is being made to create a context within which students can meet each other because as we probably all know, anyone who's been to university knows that at the, at the core of the university experience is the academic program one takes. But the, the, the additional aspects of the experience being finding your favorite study area, finding a place to meet friends, uh, create friendships, build friendships that last a lifetime, um, are all important parts of the university experience, made, uh, made more challenging by remote learning and the pandemic in so many ways. Um, food security, I want to talk about that very briefly, a new initiative, um, so Ecumenical Campus Ministries, um, Chaplain Aaron Phillips uh, led that and more than 400 food packs, she detected that there was a food security issue in among our students, especially in the early days of the pandemic when suddenly they international students couldn't go home, uh, students were stuck in, their, in the city, uh, it was unclear what kind of travel was permitted um, and so over four volunteers uh, delivered to their homes over 400 
food parcels uh, during that period of time on a weekly basis, sometimes bi-weekly basis. And then um, in the holiday period, over 80 Christmas meals were delivered and 93 cookie decorating packets to because there were students who were still here and unable to travel home and to let them know that we're here for them, we're thinking about them, we're supporting them. In fact, on Christmas evening, uh, there was a gathering for students who and other community members who could come wish if they wish to come together online via Zoom um, to uh, enjoy the decorating cookies and eating a meal. It's a very human thing. And um, I just want to make a note about that program and, uh, and others that we do. And this is what I mean by it's not just the university. ECM is not the university. It's a community-based um, uh, ecumenical organization. Donations came in to support the um, the Christmas, all of these programs and the ULSU Food Bank from across the city, from across the university, um, and we couldn't have done it without their support. I want to just thank people for that because we need more of that. And as we look to fall 2021, we're going to need more of that. Um, now, I'm going to move on to, uh, I should just note this week, we have lots of events going on. So this week is Indigenous Awareness Week as well. It's virtual, but I attended a, a couple of the events. It is just amazing how with practice now, we're a year into the pandemic. It's now March, 2021. So we're a year into the pandemic, we've had practice. Um, my colleagues are just doing a wonderful job uh, creating a rich and enriching experience and a culturally appropriate and, and supportive experience. Elder circles have been held virtually as well uh, to provide support to students. So these are just some of the examples. I think the last one that I want to mention, uh, you know, there are so many new ones. We addressing the lack of tools and technology, Anderson Hall, on the Lethbridge campus has been open from day one um, to give students Wi-Fi access, laptop lending, and uh, computer lab use, quiet study space. Um, and we've also had the ULEF CARES student liaison since uh, April, May last year, um, a group of 40 uh, university staff who are, have a, a cadre of 200 students each who they are staying in connection with um, and helping them navigate supports and services and answering questions throughout the pandemic. Next slide, please. So lots of ways that we're supporting students um, and new initiatives. And I want to say just because of our concern, a, a variety of reasons, but one of them being our concern about making sure that students have the tools to address their career aspirations and to meet those requirements for work integrated learning. We d launched a brand new, last year, mid-pandemic, a brand new center for work integrated learning and career development, which is called CareerBridge. That's a name that uh, we had before, but it, it was a smaller group of people. Now this is a fully integrated unit. And what we're doing is working together to leverage each other's resources as a team. Um, I share the University Affairs article because the University of Lethbridge was profiled in that article along with other universities because of this new um, initiative that was launched mid-pandemic. And as you can see from the next slide, if you could go to the next slide, please. Um, the uh, work, this particular unit looks at not just co-op and applied studies um, work experiences, but also uh, community service learning. We have a partnership with, Leth, uh, with Volunteer Lethbridge called You Volunteer. Uh, encouraging our students to get to know the community, to get skills, to give back. Um, their grad students uh, can do their Thrive program through this. There's research, creativity, and authorship, and leadership opportunities. And these end up on the My Experience transcript. So really what we're trying to help students to do is align their, uh, you know, think about their life purpose, uh, their values, and how to align those with uh, the types of work they might want to do or study that they might want to do in the long term. I think um, really what we're trying to encourage them to do is not think about occupational titles, but think about the skills that they can develop uh, for the longer term. Now, I'd like to go to the next slide, please. So with that, we're launching this brand new center and we're looking forward to fall 2021. And 
by the hour, the landscape is changing because we now have vaccines. We have uh, three of them, as I understand, last I checked with Trishar Patel, who was a speaker here not too long ago, um, approved so far and surely to be a fourth very soon. Um, our colleagues in Alberta Health Services and Public Health are ramping up the rollout of the vaccine here in Alberta, and we're encouraging them to to get us, anyone who wants to be vaccinated, get us vaccinated as soon as possible so that we can get back to it, to who we are and how we can serve the community and our students in fall 2021. Um, so I want to talk first though about the next slide, which is the Fauci effect. Um, so the Fauci effect, uh, named after uh, Anthony Fauci from the US, is, is the following. It seems like um, it's a catch-all title or phrase, probably you know, created by the media, let's, let's face it, um, that says uh, he's inspiring, uh, and by extension, the healthcare providers who have worked so hard throughout this pandemic are inspiring students to think about applying for programs in healthcare. And so um, this this uh, tremendous impact has happened right across North America and including Canada, including Alberta. Um, Fauci said, you have responsibility not only to yourself, but as, an, but as an integral part of society. And so I wanted to highlight this because again, for us in student affairs, I'm, this is the area that I'm responsible for, student affairs, um, you know, we're thinking all the time about what is that alignment of one's values, uh, personal sense of purpose, how one can give back in the world, uh, your education, your career, how are these things coming together? And we're working with students to, uh, among others on campus doing so, to help students to, uh, tr to make that journey. Uh, so applications to med medical schools and nursing have increased substantially. Um, by me, at many institutions by much more than 20%, but I understand from an Edmonton Journal article by at least 20%. Certainly it's true at the University of Alberta. At the University of Lethbridge, next slide, will show that um, in our faculty of health science, applications have increased. Overall faculty of health sciences are, uh, applications are up 16% for fall 2021. In public health, which is sort of the area where one would see epidemiology, up 30%. And for nursing, up 7% at this point in time compared to last year at this point in time. And in fact, it's the highest level in the last five years. So we are also seeing this so-called Fauci effect here at the University of Lethbridge. Not surprising because many of our students are, are hardwired to give back. They're hardwired to be focused on social justice and caring for the community. So um, it's not a surprise, but it is a nice thing to see. Um, so moving on to the next uh, slide, and we'll just say that, um, as, as it says, and again, that beautiful picture of the campus um, uh, in Lethbridge, that on February 9th, the university, President Mike Mann announced that we would have a significant uh, return to in-person student experiences in fall 2021. And now two planning committees are working collaboratively with scores of other people across the university to figure out what that looks like. Tangibly, what will that include? And we've had many recommendations come forward for a combination of, of things. Framed in the key principle and the first principle in all of this is safe, the health and safety of the community comes first. Um, and that has been the case throughout the pandemic. We currently offer in-person learning experiences and have done so since, since September 2020. Um, about 11% of our offerings are in person right now. Um, and we're doing so safely. And the idea is that with fall 2021, we will do more of that safely and include some classes, for example, experiential learning classes, more of them, club activities for students on campus, services on campus, um, and more. Um, I think really what I want to say as well with this is we're counting on, it hinges on the rollout of the vaccine. And we would like to be partners with public health and Alberta Health Services to help them make sure that our community is vaccinated, and is able to come back uh, feeling safe and uh, can get back in and enjoy the enriching experiences that the University of Lethbridge 
offers. I just want to say just briefly that um, the University of Lethbridge is not just about the University of Lethbridge. We serve the community and we're a key part of the Southern Alberta uh, community. And we really do count on that relationship. And we're asking the community to welcome our students back to Lethbridge, uh, to be contributing society members here, They'll rent properties from, you know, rent apartments from you. They'll shop in your stores and uh, they'll be part of the economic resurgence and recovery from this pandemic. So we invite you to welcome them back um, to our communities, uh, both here and in, Leth in uh, both in Lethbridge and in Calgary. Um, and uh, hope that, and, and really are cheering on our healthcare professionals again uh, to get everyone vaccinated in the summer so that we can be back in person in September. And the news so far has been excellent on that front here in Alberta and it continues to get better every day. So the next slide, please. Um, so what's happening now then? Um, this weekend, March 6th, Saturday, March 6th from 10 o'clock in the morning, open house for prospective students. So if a student has applied for admission or if they're thinking about applying for admission and their families and friends, we welcome them to our virtual open house. And uh, we, um, I've included the URL, um, ulef.ca slash enrollment with one L. And we encourage you to register ahead of time and come and visit with uh, faculty members and advisors and service providers and find out about our programs and all the opportunities that await you at the University of Lethbridge as we plan for an in-person experience, a significant increase in our in-person experience in the fall. So I do invite you, that's my personal invitation to join us on March 6th at 10 in the morning um, and find the link online. Thank you very much for the opportunity to um, share this presentation with you today. Those, that's the end of my prepared presentation. Be happy to answer any questions. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Very informative and um, amazing. Yeah, the, some of those stats really amazing. Um, so I'll just jump right in with the questions. Our first question comes from Timothy at the Lethbridge Herald. A concern the past few years is provincial cutbacks to post-secondary funding and funding for mental health. Has this led to added challenges meeting students' needs at the U of L? Timothy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Timothy okay. from Thank the Lethbridge Herald. Okay. Thank you very much for your question, Timothy. Um, I appreciate that we received excellent news yesterday, just yesterday, that our funding for mental health, we, we fund mental health through a grant from the provincial government. Our funding has been left intact this year. We were expecting a, a decrease. In fact, it has been left at the uh, higher level of, uh, and it has been confirmed for three years, not just one year. That's important for us because now we can plan with certainty uh, to continue to provide support to our students um, in terms of their mental health. So it was uh, excellent news and an otherwise challenging um, announcement uh, about other cutbacks. Okay, and our next question comes from Henning Mundell. How are lab-based lab courses handled? Um, during the pandemic, I assume, is the yes. context of that question. And I'll say that right now we do have lab-based courses running on campus. Um, so there are some lab-based courses that are being handled in person. Um, so what has happened is that the size of the class has been split in half, whereas a lab would normally hold 40 students, we have 20 students in there. And then there are the protocols around mask wearing and physical distancing and sanitization of equipment and, um, you know, places where students can actually move around. Um, so each, each department has figured out how to manage that with advice from our campus uh, safety team. Um, I would add that there are some labs that are being delivered online. We heard a student, uh, a comment from one of the students who said that they're doing a component of what they might normally do in a lab contest context. It's an assignment where they're doing it in their uh, either their home kitchen or they're out in the field, um, you know, 
they're out in the field uh, collecting specimens and doing other sorts of work outdoors, but just not on campus, but guided by their faculty member. And, and some of them are more theoretical uh, in terms of the way the labs are offered. So it really is um, a, a combination of ways of delivery. And uh, the approach is really, you know, it's, it relates to the pedagogical needs of the discipline and the approach that the professor wants to use. Our next question comes from Knut Peterson. Pronghorn and recreational sports and exercise arguably play a big part of uni student experience in more ways than just the physical activity part. Please comment. I absolutely agree with that. I, um, you know, leadership skills and team building skills are other ways that are, you know, beyond the wonderful benefits of uh, physical activity. So uh, students are prepared in ways that, in fact, when I talked about the My Experience transcript, one of the uh, types of activities that we're including on that will be our athletic activities. Our plan is to incorporate those because we see those as developmental in so many ways. And and um, with regard to the pandemic, we've, of course, been limited by the restrictions that uh, public health and the government of Alberta have put in place in terms of what can be open and what can't be open. But this week, we received news that we can open up um, more of the uh, facilities in our, um, in our sports centers, so on the Lethbridge campus. So this is excellent news from our perspective, so students can get back to that. But I think, you know, just fundamentally, uh, athletics, sport um, is an important part of a student experience at, at any university. Our next question comes from Ian Hurdle. Student housing is connected to student residence and physical and, and private housing. What was the occupation occupancy level at the U of L this year compared to previous years as we look forward to more normal use? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, I want to emphasize uh, we're accepting applications for residents for fall 2021 still. So if you know anybody who would like to live on campus, we'd be very happy to accept the application. Um, just go to our website, ulef.ca, and look for the housing website and webpage, and students can apply. The occupancy rate this year was um, about 285, just slightly less than that, students. Normally, it's over 1,000 students. Um, and our goal is to increase it quite substantially in the fall, uh, getting closer to, um, let's hope, 700 perhaps. Um, but again, guided by the health and safety requirements uh, as identified by public health, uh, we want to have an even more vibrant community uh, for housing. It's an important part of the experience. I should tell everyone that um, students who live in residence and have that residence, it's not just a place to live, it's a place to build community, um, get support, are, have a higher retention rate and, and tend to have higher grades than students who uh, live on their own in the broader community uh, because they do have that community of support. So there's a real reason to, um, uh, you know, I, I speak as a parent now and a parent uh, who works in the university context. And um, I encouraged my daughter to live in residence in her first year at the university she attended. She could have lived at home, but I thought it was very important for her to have that well-rounded experience, making new friends, building a network of support for herself, and learning life skills um, in a supported environment. So I really do encourage it. Our next question comes from Susan Ogachi. You mentioned that there have been higher grades reported. Have you considered that that is a result of less requirement and expectations in the course? No. In fact, uh, concurrently students, many students, um, reported feeling overwhelmed by the workload. Um, and, and it was interesting because part of that, and I want to give a nuanced response to this, is that um, they were overwhelmed by the workload, they said, because it there was more that they had to do than they would normally have been expected to do. And part of this is really because faculty members were looking at different ways to, different ways to pedagogical approaches uh, and assessment approaches to help students navigate the courses. So some faculty members might have 
rather than having two major exams have a series of assignments or small tests throughout the course. So that landed as feeling like more work for students and overwhelming. Uh, added, I think, compounded by just having to manage through the pandemic. But no, the students in other data that I have out of the um, National Survey of Student Engagement um, generally <coughs> found the uh, rigor of the courses, the challenge of the courses about the same. I think you know, it's hard to say why they did better, um, except that remember that I also reported that they were able to review materials and they self-reported that that ability to go back and review recorded materials made them feel like they had a better grasp of the material and did better um, uh, in terms, they reported, self-reported doing better um, academically because of it. And um, I think too, you know, if I'm looking at the data, strictly from a data perspective, the other piece is that we lost some students and those are students we have to pay attention, we have to turn back to and, and pull them ahead and get them engaged again. And uh, they may have been students who were failing. Um, they, you know, we, we know that there were in some courses, there were some challenges with the higher failure rate. So um, this has an effect on the math. Um, the overall math in terms of uh, the the average GPA, grade point average. So I think it's really a combination of factors, but not that they that they weren't the courses weren't as rigorous. Okay, um, I actually like to jump in with a question if that's okay. Sure, uh, sure. I will use my moderator privileges here. Um, you mentioned that there was a four point two percent dropout in the fall. Um, I'll just go to that slide so people can see. Um, my question really is um, that, that it seems like you say nearly twice that of, of, of the fall of 2019. Is there a special consideration for these students if, say, next year when vaccinations are in place, they want to re-enter? Is there a different process for them or is there a more forgiving process given all of this COVID? Yeah, I think it's an ex thank you for the question, Annalise. Um, we uh, have reached out to those students already um, to invite them back and to help them. We have a team of enrollment uh, advisors, I'll call them that, out of our enrollment services team who reached out to them to say, you know, we know that you had to leave now, we understand your decision, but how can we facilitate your return to the university? And so we'll continue to reach out to those who didn't come back for spring term, and most of them did not, and uh, extend that invitation again and facilitate their re-entry. But I just, for me, um, uh, I appreciate the question so much because um, at the end of the day, uh, it's important that we, in my view, that we don't allow this pandemic to be the the end of the story for those students in terms of their educational development and personal development, particularly since we know right now there are not so many jobs available yet. Um, and so other opportunities, thinking back to the Statistics Canada NEAT rate that I referred to earlier, um, I think we want to reach back and pull them forward and help them and facilitate their, their re-engagement. Excellent. Um, next question. Thank you for that answer. Next question is yep. from Cliff Peterson. Um, interesting that enrollment in health related studies is increasing given that our current provincial government's cutting spending overall. Also, students are facing massive cost increases. We talk about students having issues around mental health. What are professors and teachers who obviously have had to make big time changes in their, in many cases, decades of teaching styles. So two more comments than questions, but I'm sure you'll, you can comment on those. Well, I have, I, I want to just underscore that I have a great deal of respect for our faculty members who, as ever, um, do everything they can to do excellent research and provide excellent teaching and this is no different um, and they are also um, of course we all are with this pandemic it's a worldwide phenomenon we are all to some extent struggling um, because we're having to do things differently and they're they are no different um, and really have been quite impressed uh, with their work in that regard. And, you know, also their uh, faculty members are typically the first 
person that students will approach when they're having mental health challenges. So there's that effect of dealing with, um, uh, you know, the mental health. And this is true. This has been true all along uh, because it's the person that the student interacts with most is their professor. So we've um, just on that mental health front, we have our counseling team has been providing um, lots of uh, workshops for our professors, um, mental health first aid, for example, and also uh, faculty-specific workshops on how to support students who are struggling with their mental health. And we'll continue to do that um, throughout the year, throughout the pandemic, um, to provide them with the tools and information that they need um, to support students. And I think by, by extension, they are then given information that might be relevant to their context. I think something I didn't mention related to student mental health earlier is one way that the ULSU is continuing to support students is they have therapy assistance online. So there are self-serve opportunities for mental health support. And that's equally true for faculty members and staff. We have um, uh, through our uh, employee assistance program um, opportunities to access mental health support. And so we're very fortunate in that regard. And I encourage faculty members and uh, staff to reach out if they're feeling that kind of pressure and and not to feel embarrassed about it to feel like this would be a good thing to do like you would for a medical any other kind of medical problem get the support that you need our next question comes from jim miller are any students at uofl considering leaving alberta to pursue post-secondary education elsewhere because of the severe cuts to universities and colleges in alberta you know, I, I just don't know. I haven't asked that question. And all the data that I've given to you, to you today are data that I collected, we collected through surveys and uh, through both qualitative and quantitative. So I don't have the answer to that question at this point in time. I imagine other jurisdictions are experiencing cuts as well. Um, and maybe tuition in other jurisdictions is as expensive or more expensive than here. Um, I come from Ontario originally and certainly tuitions high there and, and there are budget challenges at at institutions there and and other places so i but i don't have i don't have the answer about students leaving alberta um for that reason sorry our next question comes from laura schultz financial security has been impacted with the decimation of student jobs which affects building career experience after graduating Concerns of increased tuition, lack of grants are also stressors. Can you comment on whether performance-based funding, in brackets P PBF, increases increase students' mental health now or in the future? Hmm. Well, I think for I think I will agree with you that um, my data show that uh, students are experiencing increased mental health uh, challenges as a result of the situation with the pandemic. And we can see that through an increase in our demand for service I'm uh, from our counseling team. I can say that I'm very grateful for the um, confirmation that we'll have the same level of funding for the next three years. Um, and that's a government grant that we're using to support our mental health. So the University of Lethbridge will continue to place a priority on supporting students, not just one-time effort, but an ongoing effort, as we have done for many years now, to uh, provide excellent support. Our, our counselors are um, well-qualified, registered psychologists, for example, um, to provide support, but they also have um, connections to the uh, mental health community more broadly. So and we also have psychiatrists on campus. So we try to surround our students with ongoing mental health support, which we think is so critical. And we hope that that will have a long-term beneficial impact for them in terms of building tools to be able to um, manage um, their ongoing personal and professional development and education on an ongoing basis. So it's a, it's a high priority for us. Our next question comes from Timothy from the Lethbridge Herald. Uh, we see a lot of students now engaging in off-campus activities at local bars, pubs and gyms. Are you concerned this will disrupt your safety protocol on campus? 
I'm concerned about their health. Um, I'm concerned that they stay well, that they take all the precautions they sh that, that are advised by public health to remain healthy, to not see themselves as invincible and unaffected by the um, pandemic. But I also understand that activities like that are, um, you know, group-based activities at this point in time are really just a reaction uh, and uh, a manifestation of what many, perhaps many of us are feeling, which is frustration and just exhaustion from the restrictions. Yes, I hope that they will change their approach so that we can maintain a very safe um, campus community um, when we return um, with more significant activity in the fall. Uh, I will tell you that we are going to launch a campaign uh, to encourage students to get vaccinated. And so we're also hoping to offer um, a vaccine clinic on campus, although that is not yet confirmed. We often do that, um, through, you know, flu clinics and all sorts of other uh, vaccine clinics. Um, and we hope to be able to do that with uh, COVID-19 vaccines. And I say that we really do want our students to get vaccinated. We will be encouraging them to get vaccinated. Um, and we will be asking them to encourage their friends and families to do so, um, so that we can have a uh, healthy and safe community for everyone. Remembering that the vaccine, mask wearing, physical distancing and vaccine, the combination of factors, sanit you know, cleaning the facilities, there are many ways to keep an environment uh, safe and and accessible for everyone. And that is really, I think, what we have to think about. This is about being neighborly. It's about uh, taking a, 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 a community-based perspective, which is what we ask our students to do every day at the University of Lethbridge. Think bigger than your, <clears throat> think bigger than yourself. Pardon me. Um, think beyond yourself. Think about your engagement with the community. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, physically distanced, protect everyone else too. So that those who are immune compromised, and there are many who are immune compromised, um, can also return and feel safe doing so. Um, and, and that's what we'll be asking our students to do. So stay tuned for our campaign uh, to encourage our students to get vaccinated. Excellent, looking forward to that. Um, our next question comes from Beth Mundo with students reporting benefits from re-listening to courses, will this be a post-COVID option? I, I do think that, so let's remember that I'm not a faculty member, I don't teach, and so therefore I'm not an expert in this area. However, I have, I have heard from a lot of students that they would like to have that option uh, moving ahead. Many have children, we have many parents with children in our community uh, who are also students, either undergrad or graduate students, um, and <clears throat> you know, whose day-to-day uh, -day, uh, ability to manage family and attend class uh, can be impacted. We have faculty members, in fact, who have children who, you know, we, we know we've all, as parents, if you're a parent, you've received that call from the daycare or the school saying your child is ill and you have to drop everything and deal with that. So having the flexibility, baked, let me just use the terminology, baked into the system to allow for ongoing um, uh, online learning to some extent, complementing our our tried and true and tradition of in-person experiences, I think is something that we'll see mo moving forward is my guess, uh, because we've learned that we can do it and we've learned that there are some benefits that, that were unanticipated. Um, you know, it's the same sort of um, idea around uh, this notion of, do people need to be in a physical place to do their work? Or can they, and now I'm thinking about uh, my colleagues, my, you know, the staff, do they need to be on site in an office to do that work? Or have we proved to ourselves that we can introduce a level of flexibility to the way we do work that in, includes uh, some kind of ongoing uh, adoption of remote work? Our next question comes from Carol Camillo. Any changes to the number any changes to the numbers of international students enrolled at the U of L during the pandemic? Um, it's been um, a challenging time for international students, hasn't it? Some are here and haven't, weren't able to go home for so long, and others have been studying from abroad. 
there have been some changes that have made it possible for students to stay abroad and study with the university without negatively impacting their work permit their, that, that, that they'll ultimately get after graduation or their eligibility for a student visa. The federal government has made changes to the requirements allowing them to do higher proportions of online learning, which were not possible previously. So that's a very positive outcome and introduced a level of flexibility to support international students. Uh, we have seen a slight increase in the number of international students enrolled at the university, and I think it is is because of the, um, and they bring such uh, uh, rich um, conversation to the classroom, you know, different perspectives. I think it's a very healthy thing and I'm glad that we're seeing a slight increase at the university. Okay, um, I've, I'm gonna ask a second question. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> um, how does the library function for students? How do they access the library for um, learning resources? Yeah, so right now, um, Annalise, uh, they access, they can make requests for resources online. And I mentioned Anderson Hall, if anybody knows the Lethbridge campus, um, Anderson Hall, the library has an outlet there. Um, so students who want to pick up materials or faculty or staff who want to pick up materials or drop off materials can go to the library outlet in Anderson Hall and do that there. But ordering can happen online at this point in time. The library is another example of um, a facility that we're looking at for possible staged opening in the fall. Uh, we want, we all understand how critically important the library is, not just for the materials that they offer and, and resources, but also for quiet study space and unknown kind of comfortable learning environment that students often see it as. So um, that's how they're accessing it at this moment in time. And it's open um, several days a week. Week, most most days of the week. Okay, our next question is from Knut Peterson. Politically speaking, and aside from the commitment to mental health support, are you worried about government financial support for post-secondary education? Knud, I am. I am, to be frank, worried about um, this. The from my perspective, the post-secondary post institutions. Are fundamentally uh, are fundamental to the economic recovery of this province. We need an educated workforce. Uh, we need the research um, that is conducted at the research institutions to support uh, innovation in our economy. And we need the collaboration between public and private sector that universities often facilitate and, and all post-secondaries often facilitate. And so I think that it is absolutely critical for the universities to, and I say universities because I happen to be working at one, but for post-secondaries to be appropriately and well-funded uh, so that we don't, um, what's the expression my grandmother used to say, cut our nose off despite our face? <laughs> you know, I think it's really important for us to invest um, in, because after all, it's not about us now um, in this moment in time. It's about the future and we're educating people and doing research for the future. So it's a sustainable it's a sustainability initiative too when I say that it's an investment. It's really for the long-term success of, of the province, not just the post-secondary institution. So clearly I feel very passionate about this, uh, Knud, and, um, and understand that uh, we are of service to the community as well as a neighbor in, uh, I'll just say a couple more pieces here, as a neighbor of uh, within the city of Lethbridge and in Southern Alberta and a collaborator with other post-secondary institutions in Southern Alberta, um, we're, um, we see ourselves as part of the fundamental fabric of this region and um, as the second highest employer in the city of Lethbridge, really the, the type of organization that can really contribute meaningfully to the well-being of this city. And, and we grew out, don't we exist because um, the region, the city wanted a university here. So we're, we're, we'd like to work together, uh, to continue to work together, um, to add value as we have been for many years. Our next question and our last question comes from Jim Miller. Are there any online volunteer programs of activities for public to help students out during the pandemic at the U of L? 
volunteer activity as well. I'll tell you what, there's one coming up uh, that we're asking our senators to get involved in. And so if you're a senator and you're listening in, you may see an invitation sometime soon. We have convocation coming up and we'd like for our students who are graduating to be able to come back to campus and take pictures, have a photo um, taken at their favorite spot on campus and to be greeted by community members, uh, University of Lethbridge community members like our senators and, and leaders and, and student leaders and welcomed and helped to those spaces so that they can take a physically distanced photo and enjoy um, the beautiful campus that we have to offer again. But there are other ways too, and let me just go back to the food security issue. Um, donations to support food security are um, extremely important and very well received by our students and by the university. So if you'd like to make the donations to support that, that would be great. We're also launching student mentorship and peer mental health support uh, teams, and there's a matching program happening right now to support that through our fundraising initiative and uh, as ever bursaries for students bursaries and scholarships to help them to fund their education so as you're thinking about volunteering money or time um, we we continue to need support in those areas to support our students excellent uh, thank you we've got uh, some thank yous in the queue Laurie Schultz uh, Kathleen thank you for a very informative presentation it's assuring that our students have wonderful support. Thank you for your work. And then Jim Miller, thank you very much for your very interesting talk, Kathleen, much appreciated. And some earlier thank yous. Bev uh, Mandel, thanks Kathleen for your positive and enlightening talk about how our UNIVAL students are coping and the university's program to support students in their ac academic, physical and mental health. And um, Ian Hurdle, nice to see the big pivot by the U of L. Um, before we wrap this up, and uh, certainly thank you on behalf of SACPA for spending time here today and, and giving up your valuable time, we really appreciate it. Um, before we wrap up, do you have a take home message for our, our viewers today? Yes, I think there are two. One, please don't forget Open House on Saturday, March 6th at 10 a.m. You're welcome to attend. And the other is, um, please remember that the success of the University of Lethbridge and its students is your success, is Southern Alberta's success, is Alberta's success. And so working together to continue to sustain our ability to uh, support our students and do excellent research is uh, what we're hoping to do. And so thank you very much uh, today for the opportunity to chat with you. Wonderful, and thank for everybody who tuned in today for this SACPA presentation. Um, join us again next week with um, Dan Johnson on the topic of why we need insects and spiders, which of them are declining and which moving in. Um, so I look forward to seeing you um, next week. Have a good week, everybody.